Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 224. The way out is right under your nose. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So I want to do a couple things in this episode. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I was going to read a listener email and speak through that as I have in other episodes. And I think I might still do that. But I also want to talk about this in a bigger way. So um, we just did a call in the graduate community on this topic. Essentially, the way out is right under your nose. And so I think I'll talk about it kind of high level first and then maybe go to that email. I know you guys don't care. You don't know what I'm talking about anyway. <laughs> um, okay, we'll see how it goes. So so here's the thing about the way out is right under your nose. In the last week, I had three conversations with people who happened to want to stop drinking. I had many more than three, but three that really, really stand out as being essentially the exact same conversation. So they went something like, um, I'm going to talk about one in particular, but again, they were basically all the same. Person has tried everything and really everything over, in this case, like 30 years, 20, 30 years. Um, every course, every book, every treatment possibility, um, every spiritual tradition, every religion, you know, really just spent 30 years trying hard and looking into so many different things and seeing so many different things along the way. But this relationship with alcohol doesn't seem to be changed, is not changed from all of that. And of course, there's this massive frustration, which I totally understand of like, what am I missing? Why isn't it working? I've I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I've tried all the things. And and the thing is, you know, trying all the things, although it's so completely well-meaning, and, and it does show us things. It does show us things, and it does make our lives better in a lot of ways as we explore these things. It, it has sometimes, sometimes it can have this sense of, of almost distraction, like, like I'm out trying all the things. Okay, I did this. I deserve to I deserve to be free. Okay, I did. I, you can add that one to the list. I deserve to be free. And I'm not saying that anyone is sitting around consciously thinking, well, let me just go through the checklist and then I'll have earned my freedom. But but there's a way in which our mind is just always wanting to like not go to the actual issue. And when I say the actual issue, I mean, everything our mind does is to protect us from feeling, protect us from what our mind thinks is too big, too painful, too dangerous of a feeling. There is nothing else, honestly. It is never, never about a thought, an understanding. It's never about something cognitive or intellectual. Those things are amazing. I talk about cognitive intellectual things all the time. They can open us, they can show us things that I think open us to feel more deeply. But the feeling is what does it. Like the just the the being one with life, not knowing that you're one with life, that does nothing. That does nothing. 
But the actual feeling and allowing in of all of life, how can there be a problem when that's happening? There cannot be a problem. There cannot be an addiction, a habit, a source of suffering when, when over time and in a big way, there is an opening and a welcoming and an allowing of life. They're just inconsistent with each other. So understanding intellectually, cognitively, that we are life, we are one with life, that all thoughts and feelings are safe, those only help insofar as they actually translate into an opening, a loosening, like a allowing and, a, and really just more feeling, feeling what's arising. They're there not, and I've been talking about this so much lately, they're there not so that we don't have to feel life, the complete opposite. And our mind is very smart at using these as a, a way to bypass. They're not there to bypass. We'll just stay stuck and we'll stay running around chasing philosophies and courses and books if, if we're using them innocently, if our mind is using this to bypass. What should be happening really is is we have these bigger understandings that we are all one and that separation is illusory and all of that. And that allows us to be more of it, to feel more of it, not less, not less. And in the feeling more of it, see, we, we see, okay, I can feel this. I am this. It is all safe. But again, we don't just know that intellectually. So these people I was talking with, three remarkably similar stories, um, spent decades going from thing to thing and then nothing was really touching this habit. And I asked each of them the question that I love asking when someone says that, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I get it, I understand. Like, okay, well then your mind's been very busy, that's great. And you have a lot of knowledge stored up, that's great. But, but here's the only question that really matters. When you go to not drink, when you go to not do whatever your habit is, when you feel the urge to eat and you don't eat, when you feel the urge to drink and you don't drink, when you feel the urge to distract or to numb in some way and you don't, what happens? What's there? Because in the end of the day, again, that is all that matters. If we are okay with what's arising, that there's nothing to drink over. There's nothing to eat over or to whatever our habit is over. So really, I mean, in a, in a, a very like real life experiential right now here in this moment kind of way, what else matters? It's not what you understand about an urge. It's how you feel an urge and, and why that urge gets you to do the thing you don't want to do rather than just feel what's arising. Like, what are we pushing away there? So with one, one person in particular, with all three of them really, but um, one person, I mean, it stopped him in his tracks. Oh, <laughs> you know, and so it's funny in a sense. Like, of course, if you want to stop drinking, what happens when you stop drinking? Like, let's try that and then actually see what's there. Everything else is going to be removed from that, right? Everything else is going to be, five steps removed. Well, let's go right to it. And, and there's a sense for this person of sitting there and like, oh, yeah, there's some really deep, uncomfortable shame there. 
there's all, I mean, and it, it took a second. It took a second of like, okay, now in this moment, you would love to go get a drink. Sit here and feel this and tell me what it is. Oh, it's this deep, deep shame that I don't know that I've ever lived without. It feels like it, it's me and it's essentially telling me I am wrong. I am wrong. I've done something wrong. I am wrong. That's for this person what it was. And it's like, okay, well, we just spent 15 minutes talking about all that you've tried over over three decades. Have you tried just being in that? Listening to that? Welcoming it in? Feeling it? I don't know, you know, like, let's go there. And that is the one thing that hadn't been tried because our mind is so smart. Our mind's like, oh, that's a bit much. Let's go, you know, let's go live at an ashram in India for, for five years. That will be easier than sitting with this feeling. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Minds are doing this constantly. They are spending all of our money, using all of our time, all of our energy, running us around the world, having us chase gurus and teachers and buy all kinds of things and courses we don't need in Instead of just feeling what is there when we don't do the thing. So there are so many ways that this happens for us, you know, where we're we're running around, our mind is running us around looking for all of these things that are in theory gonna solve our problem and help us feel better. When the 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 way to feel better is to feel what's actually there, to really let ourselves feel it. Otherwise, when it's being pushed away and avoided, it's banging on the door. You know, it's not like we're actually, like our mind can actually push things away. I mean, it can to a certain extent. But again, when when it's doing that, when it's distracting us with running around doing and chasing and doing all these other things, the feeling that we're not wanting to feel is banging at the door. And and as soon as we relax and as soon as we get quiet, it's just going to come through. It, it's going to get its way. Life is always going to get its way. Always, which is amazing. <laughs> Such good news for us. Amazing that life is that intelligent and that wise and that loving that it will always get its way. Yeah, when we feel exhausted, when we feel like we've been trying everything or barking up all the wrong trees or we're just exhausted from all of this effort, that is our mind trying to distract us from life that's wanting to show up and get its way. And when life gets its way, it's not horrible. <laughs> that's, you know, our mind has always told us these stories of can't handle that. That's too scary. That would kill you. Don't look there in words and sometimes just in this weird, vague sense, this weird fear of life, this fear of emotion that we have. That is not the truth. That is what a mind would say when it's one of its sole purposes is to protect you from things, you know, like that. But that is not the truth. When we stop and we feel this stuff that's been banging at the door that we've been running from forever, it doesn't kill us. And there are so many ways, and I know I've talked about this in so many episodes of, of just inviting in and being curious about what that is. And it's kind of like, the big cosmic joke, like this thing we've been outrunning forever, it isn't even inherently uncomfortable. It only feels like it is because our mind has told us it is forever. It's like if you have a friend that told you, oh, this other friend of ours, no, that they're bad news, stay away from them, total jerk. And you hear that over and over your whole life. And then, and of course, you're afraid of that person. You want nothing to do with them. But then one day, 
You're locked in a room with them and you actually get to know them and it's the complete opposite. And you're like, oh my gosh, our other friend had lied about you for our whole life, you know? Honestly, it's like that. And what a relief to get to stop running from something that we've been running from and uh, forever. Okay, so so there were these three conversations that happened and just happened to be around drinking. And then I was just seeing this all over the place. So there was another conversation um, on our forum around food and whether food and sugar are actually addictive and and can it be that there are food addicts? And in the whole conversation, and I, I want to pull this one out as an example because I think this is a way that this shows up differently, but it's the exact same thing. So in this whole forum conversation about, about whether, it, whether you know, this understanding says that food is addictive or whether it isn't and what other people say and all of that, you know, in a sense for me, like I, I don't know, as the coach in that scenario, we're kind of going along with the conversation to some extent, but I'm also wondering and, and asking, why does this matter? I don't, I don't even know if food is addictive. And like, there's no way to even determine that really, because everyone's definition of addiction is going to be different. And even if we could decide it, does, who, who cares? Like, what are the implications of this? Why do you think it matters is what it comes down to. And I couldn't really get that from the person who was asking. It kind of more felt like we just need to know. We just need to know. Maybe if I know, then there'll be a different path forward and all of that. And I kind of had this sense, yeah, that that's again, that's a mind wanting to hold on to definitions and concepts and whether this treatment or that treatment is better. And listen, every mind does this. I, I can't tell you how often all like my mind is spun around in theories about whether this is going to be more helpful or that's going to be more helpful or or whether I believe in this or that and then that will tell me the way forward and that's fine like it's fine and these are great questions they can be very helpful things to explore whether they're whether sugar's addictive or not like that can actually open up something in the exploration for someone so there's nothing inherently wrong with or bad about any of this whatsoever but sometimes you know when you're with a person, you get that your intuition is there talking with you and you get that sense of like, yeah, none of this is really what it's about. And I really got that here. None of this is really what it's about. This is a mind distracting, like wanting to hang out in ideas about things. So, so the person mentioned, you know, who believes that they're addicted to sugar and I have no idea, maybe they are. Um, well, because when my mind tells me it's time to go get some big sugary pastry, and that's it. And it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> let's back this up. That is all that matters. That right there. What do you mean that's it? When a mind says and a body come, comes alive in a certain way and says, ooh, pastry must have it right now let's look there. <laughs> like, why is that just pushed away? And, oh, I can't feel this, so I have to just go get the pastry. And and what if you don't? Like, like sure, minds say all kinds of things. We don't listen to everything our mind says. Like, what if you don't? What if, yes, your body is, is screaming and saying, I need a pastry right this minute. And what if you don't? Then what's going to happen? Like, again, that's the thing that 
we haven't tried and I know we've tried it. So I, I don't mean that literally. I, I, I mean, man, people are so strong and courageous and willing to feel and wanting to lean in to feel. So this is not on us and our nature. It's just the nature of a mind. Our mind will constantly want to give us another direction. Oh, you don't have to sit with that feeling. Let's go find out if you're really addicted and then we'll try this program and then you'll be able to not have to feel that feeling. Yeah, that's the way, right? We want it to be easy and effortless and have no feeling involved. (laughs) And our mind tells us that if we keep going out and searching for the right teacher or the right course or the right religion, then everything will be easy and we won't have to feel. And it's a lie. It's a lie that all minds tell. So in that case, again, it's same as the drinking case, really. It's like, wait a minute, back this up, sit there, feel your body and mind screaming at you and swearing up and down that a pastry is the answer. Don't get the pastry. And what's in that feeling? Does that, is it even uncomfortable? Are you just habitually grabbing a pastry because your mind has convinced you that it's uncomfortable? Maybe it's comfortable. Maybe you love it. Maybe that's the feeling of excitement. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's a little uncomfortable, but when you lean into it, it dissipates in five minutes. Maybe it strengthens and that's okay too. I don't know, but you don't know either. (laughs) You know, we don't know either when it's us. So, So don't go buy another book. Like just right here, it's right here. This is the way through is what's calling to us what we're avoiding. The one thing we will not look at and will not feel is the answer for all of us always. I see this a lot with chronic pain. There can be such, and again, I have so much compassion for this. I don't know what that's like, but I have to imagine I've had small little blips of my own experience with it, with different health issues and instantly saw my mind just jump into this the same way I see other minds do. So I'm not immune from to this whatsoever. Back when I was having issues with, this is a long time ago, like things like asthma and stuff that like, that were all now I know psychosomatic, but you know, doctors, oh yeah, maybe. And my symptoms were so incredibly real. I could not breathe, but there was no reason for it, you know, and and just the way our mind wants to, rather than just being in a feeling, being in a moment, checking out that pain, swimming into it, saying, hey, where are, where are your edges? What are you here for? Can I, can I be in you for a little bit? Can you be here for a little bit? Rather than that, it's like, nope, let's just go to Google. There's got to be another way. We'll find a way out of this. Out, out, out. And life is saying, in, in, in. Life is saying, come in. And our mind is saying, no, we need to get out. So just the doctor hopping and the researching and all of that that so understandably happens. Again, just look at that for yourself and whatever it is for you and see if if perhaps that isn't just your mind keeping you on this wild goose chase to distract you from something that is right under your nose. That if we can just feel into it, man, it's not as scary and horrible as our mind has told us it is. So let me turn to this email. This is another example that kind of just brought some of this to life. And it is from a person who is wanting to stop drinking. Um, and I don't know, I think just the way it unfolded, it might help, it might help um, kind of bring some of these ideas to mind. So 
he says, um, I love to learn. I've read both your books uh, and done your school and done, and then he names a million other things he's done, of course, right? So he's done all the things. Um, everyone that he appreciates uh, and respects has a similar approach to alcohol. It's not a drinking problem. It's a thinking problem. So you can see his mind, you know, he's found all the things and he's kind of, as every mind would, it's kind of gleaning like, okay, here's the philosophy, here's the approach. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever, right? He says, and I've done all these things multiple times for years. I don't know how I can learn any more about this. That's exactly how it goes. And he says, I could probably teach it. Of course you could. No question he could teach this. It's not hard, right? Um, and he says, I know knowledge is essential, but you often say that it takes insight from that knowledge to make lasting change. With all the knowledge in place, how do you find insight? It seems so elusive. So this is just another way that sometimes this might be worded in our own heads. We might hear it this way, like, and man, us coaches hear this all the time. Like, I get it intellectually, you know, but where's my insight? Well, this is where your insight is. It's right under your nose in looking within. Not more knowledge. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this works, but it almost, and this is, this is just me making up concepts, but it almost feels like knowledge is like the opposite of insight in some way. And of course, yes, we do open ourselves to new knowledge and it appears that we have insights in the process of that, you know, and that's beautiful, but I don't know. I don't know. It's like that, like to, to what we're speaking about in this conversation, it's like that mind's search for knowledge out there, out there, out there knowledge is the complete opposite of the kind of quiet and being with what's arising from within, so to speak, that really does something that is the insight. So the insight isn't going to come from more knowledge as this, this, uh, email writer is really clearly seeing, but he still wants to know, of course, you know, where's the insight? How do you find the insight? And I think it's exactly, so for everyone out there saying, I get it all, I can teach this stuff, but where are my insights? Well, the insights are in getting out of the knowledge for a minute and really feeling what's actually arising throughout life in different times. Like when you just sit, even just sitting in your discomfort and your frustration about, man, sucks, I could teach this stuff, but I haven't had any insights. Well, sit in that feeling, pick a feeling, it doesn't matter and sit in it and explore it and say, come on in, let's, let's just be here together. Let me not jump up and try to find something else to distract myself from you. Let's just see what, what you have to say. So I wrote back, we have a couple back and forths here. I wrote back um, asking why he thinks things haven't clicked. Like, well, what is what is that? Because I don't know, right? So what's your hunch about, about why you're still drinking despite all of this knowledge? Um, even though I clearly have my ideas, which I'm talking about here, I always want to hear from them. Like they, they, we know, we totally know. We just don't know that we know. And then I said, well, let's look at how this is for you rather than talking about insight in general, because I kind of got the feeling from this question that um, it was 
you know, he gave some personal information, of course, but it was still kind of couched in like, okay, so in general, in theory, when one has all the knowledge, but one hasn't had an insight, what do you do? And again, look at that, notice that. And for the coaches listening to this, listen for this in your clients. This is not an in general when one has knowledge, but one hasn't had insight. You, let's talk about your experience and let's look at how it is for you and what's coming up for you. And a mind won't really want to go there. Mind, you know, our mind will want to know it in a bigger sense because it's a little nervous when we start getting into you and your feelings. And what if we have to look at something we don't want to look at? So I kind of spotted that and said, okay, I don't, we don't need to have a conversation about insight. That's taken us further removed. Let's look for you at what's going on. Um, and I also threw out another hunch I had. Um, based on some of the stuff he said that uh, my hunch was that he was waiting for this to be easy, which again is exactly what we're talking about here. Our mind will say, just read 10 more books and something in there will click so that this is easy and you don't have to feel. And you know, I don't think change is hard. So it's not about easy, hard. It's more that to our mind, it's like, let's see if we can figure out a way to do this to, to just not have to feel anything remotely uncomfortable. Okay, so he came back and said, your intuition was accurate. I'm expecting it to be easy. And he said, when he listens to my work, and he mentioned a bunch of other people's work, um, podcasts and other, other people's work uh, around drinking in particular, we all talk about how we don't need willpower. It'll be easy. And he says, when I do choose not to drink, it requires so much willpower. I feel like I'm white knuckling it. It's definitely not effortless or easy. It just feels really difficult. He says, I've been doing some deep work into the why of my nightly drink routine, and I think it may be rooted in some fears of my own thoughts at night while going to bed. For the first 30 years of my life, I suffered nightly panic attacks. They started when I was a kid. I would lie in bed at night wondering what it was like to die. I remember thinking, will I be trapped in a dark coffin in total darkness all by myself for all eternity? They were quite terrifying thoughts and they would spin me into panic attacks at a very young age. For those 30 years, I was taking anti-anxiety meds to keep the anxiety down. But thankfully, I've worked through those thoughts and gotten off all anti-anxiety meds about 20 years ago. I don't have those panic attacks anymore, but I also don't like lying in bed at nights with my thoughts. I'm sure there's still some deep-rooted beliefs about needing to escape at night to avoid thinking so that I can go to sleep. And he says, but to answer your question, yes, I do expect it to be easy and not require so much willpower. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> like now this is so clear and obvious, right? And, and understandable and like wise and intelligent. He went through some really, really scary, hard thoughts for a long time and had panic attacks every night for years. So much so that... He needed to get on this medication, you know, that was like the way out of this. And so, of course, his mind remembers that. Of course, his mind is in there saying, it's dangerous to lay in bed with your own thoughts sober. You're not going to like that. Don't do it. Avoid it. And so he hasn't 
He hasn't. He hasn't been, he wasn't quote unquote sober when he was on medication for a long time. And since the medication ended, he needed something else to not have to be sober because his mind told him this is too dangerous. Now, again, a mind like his mind is just so trained to help him. We know, and he even knows intellectually that thoughts aren't dangerous and feelings aren't dangerous. And now that he's grown up, I'm sure maybe, hopefully, maybe, I don't know, he has some different thoughts about death and all of that has evolved and changed over the years in some ways. But to this little primal, you know, survival-based little brain, it does no, nothing has changed. It's like all of that, all of that knowledge and, and bigger understanding I don't know, in some way it can just, it can just stay like that. It can just stay like book knowledge, you know, like facts and things that you know. And I do believe that this book knowledge, again, it, it has a way of seeping through and, and, and we just find ourselves more relaxed. And it sounds like for him that has happened. I mean, he's gotten off anxiety meds, like a lot has shifted in his life. But in some little way, his mind is still saying, yeah, but this still isn't okay. Don't just lay there without being numbed out. It's not going to go well. And even though he's a wise adult and he knows better, the the feeling of the fear that his mind is kind of giving him around that is winning out. So, I mean, part of what I love about this too, again, is it just shows just how smart our mind is and how loving it is and how much it thinks it's protecting us. But the big question is like, do we even need protection? Do we need that protection the way our mind says we need it? What if, again, in this cosmic joke <laughs> way that things tend to be, what if you were to lay there and feel and, and have whatever thoughts show up and feel whatever shows up and see firsthand experientially not from a from what someone else says, but actually live it and feel it experientially. That it's not the way his mind has been telling him it's going to be. Or that even if it is, it's not the way his mind, you know, even if a bunch of anxious thoughts come up, even if he feels trapped as if he's in a coffin for eternity, like even in those experiences, if they are what arises, and I kind of highly doubt they would be, but even if they are, that is not inherently horrible. When we're, when we're open to kind of exploring that and we aren't instantly putting, our mind isn't instantly putting this good, bad, too dangerous, can't go there, that those kind of labels on things. Even if he were to lay there and feel himself starting to have a panic attack, anyone who's had panic attacks knows, you know, yes, there are times when our mind just checks out and and decides this is horrible and then it is horrible and then it ends. And there are times when we feel it coming on and in some way we know what's going on. We feel our body going through the motions. We feel our mind racing, but we are not that. And we know, okay, this is... This is just a reaction that's happening. Like, what if he could do it like that a few times? And then he would start to see, oh, well, even if this happens every night, it's better than having a drinking problem. You know, like who knows how it'll go, but but that's the only way. Another book isn't going to do a 
darn thing. Like that's the only way is to just lean in a little bit. Lean in a little bit and see. Then again, this isn't about drinking or not. So it's not about, okay, I've decided I'm never going to drink again. And you tell all your friends and family. No, you just, you just try it. Just try for five minutes. If you get out of bed and need a drink, fine. Get out of bed and have a drink. But try it and see because chances are really, really, really good. This is not at all what our mind has been telling us it is. And what what a joke would that be, you know, that this thing we've been running from forever is not even this horrible, scary feeling that our mind told us it would be. So... I don't even know if there's anything left in our back and forth. Basically, I kind of went back and and suggested that. I said, I'd set the drinking and willpower bit aside for a minute because it will look like willpower is required if giving up drinking means suffering. You know, if if his mind, and this is what's happening, his mind is saying on some level, if you don't drink, you're going to go to bed and suffer. But what if that is not true? Minds don't know, you know. I mean, his mind, his mind experienced that, and in, and it drew that conclusion thirty years ago. That doesn't mean it's true today. And that's this is how it goes with a mind, right? They're smart but not wise, and they're amazingly habitual. So they draw a conclusion that protects us thirty years ago, and then they just keep repeating it. They don't, they don't let themselves update all that well, you know. They're just all about efficiency. Like, hey, this looks important. Let's just repeat this one for thirty years. So that's amazing to see. Amazing. And I just suggested, like I just said, you know, can you just be with those feelings a little bit? It's, it sounds so basic and kind of too obvious, but it really, but that's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. What sounds basic and too obvious only sounds basic and too obvious to a mind that doesn't want us to go there. Our mind will say, oh no, feel, no, it can't be that. Or, or in this, I hear this all the time, especially since I've been talking into leaning into feelings more, how? I don't know how. I don't know how to feel. I think I'm not. And, and again, these are great things to explore, but, but also see them as the mind saying, nope, no, I don't know about this feel. Let's talk about it a little longer. <laughs> mind will say, okay, what do you mean by feel? And what does that look like? And I don't think I know how. And can you give me examples? And again, there's nothing, I think it's great to be talking about it. It's both. We can explore it and we can look at what it looks like and feels like and all of that. And notice that as your mind's still wanting to just go out and have a conversation rather than shutting up so that you can feel. And when we just feel what's there, it's like truly, like I said in the beginning of this episode, truly that is the one thing we haven't tried. I I don't, I can't imagine a more direct, true, actual way through anything. And it is right under our noses and it is the one thing we haven't tried simply because our mind has told us it's too much, too simple, too hard, too scary, can't do that, too basic. Let's go, let's go fly to India first. It's crazy. It's right under our noses. It's the one thing we haven't tried. So I would love for you to see where this might show up in your life. Where is your mind wanting to run around and do a bunch of stuff and collect a bunch of stuff and learn a bunch of stuff 
rather than just going straight into the issue. And again, my favorite question for this always is like, okay, if you just don't do the thing, whatever the thing is that you're, that you're not wanting to do anymore, if you just don't do it for a second, what's there? It takes you straight into it. Tomorrow, Tuesday, November 1st, I'll be hosting a webinar where you can hear all about the Change Coach training program from me and a panel of graduates. I'll talk about the way the program works, who it's for, and what people come away with personally and professionally. And best of all, I'll be joined by some actual change coaches who can speak to their experience. Register for the webinar at drimejohnson.com slash changecoachwebinar2023.